The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy podcast this Monday evening uh, where we will be discussing uh, the first week of our player reviews titled The Leaders. Um, I'm your host, Mac19, and joining me, as usual, is uh, the lovely Portia. How are you hello, going? Hello, hello. Oh, gosh, it's off-season. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. It's really quite nice. Um, it is. It's uh, It started yeah. with a bit of a bang. Yeah, yeah, and looking at the weather reports, like, uh, by the end of the week, we'll be in the 20s again as far as temperature, and, you know, it's just all it's just all looking up a little bit. Um, it is. If, if you take football out of your life, it's not so bad. <laughs> Everything's looking millhouse right about now, so that's, uh, that's wonderful. Oh, that, that's, that's foreboding. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, let's get straight into it because we've got quite a bit to discuss this evening. Um, it is off season, it is off season, and uh, there's quite a bit happening with Port this off season so far. So really? I want to talk about some trade period gossip, which uh, we all love and adore. Um, and I guess the main one, obviously, is uh, Jared Polek. You know, is he staying? Is he going to North, or is he now going to St Kilda? Um, look, I don't think. Uh... I don't think I'm ready to write Jared Pollock staying at Port off yet, uh, because ultimately, if uh, North Melbourne and St Kilda are doing what they quite often do and they're trying to lowball in terms of actual trade, what they're offered to trade, particularly North Melbourne, that's a North Melbourne thing, um, then he's not going to get to go there. And then Pollock suddenly has to risk going in the draft or whatever else, or other, whatever other mechanisms he can possibly follow. And I, I think that at a certain point, it's easier to stay at Port. So, yeah. Uh, Look, I, I feel like there is a slim chance that he will stay, but I just feel yeah. that if he was going to stay, he would have signed a contract by now. Because I feel like we've probably offered him the max that we're going to offer him. Um, unless he feels like uh, this is a, a, a blinking sort of situation where um, maybe he feels like we'll sort of uh, choke under the pressure and then just suddenly offer him uh, more money or more years on the contract. But... At this point in time, I, I feel like he's going. Um, now, whether that's to North Melbourne, who've offered him 750 over five years, or whether that's St Kilda, who've apparently now offered him 800 over five years, I guess we'll wait and see. But um, I don't know. If we can wrangle St Kilda's pick three from them for Pollock, I would be well chuffed indeed. Yeah, I mean, probably not. Again, like we've talked about previously, probably not in a straight trade. But um, yeah, look, I, No, I, there would need to be something going back the other way, obviously. Maybe it would be sort of Polek and 10 for 3 and 60 or something like that. I don't know. But um, unfortunately for St Kilda, they've got pick 3 and then they've got pick 50-something and 60-something. So there's not really much in between for them. Um, no, which I think is probably why they're quite happy to make ambit uh, bids on players uh, and then see what they can possibly get out of the other team uh, in trade week. And it's up to Port not flinch. Yep. Would what's your thoughts on what would you prefer happen with Polek? Do you want to keep him, or are you happy to see him go? Well, look, I'm. I think at what we've offered, I'm happy to keep him. I think if the alternative is offering him a longer contract or seeing him go, I'd rather see him go. Um, yeah. But I, I look I, like I said. I mean, the, the two teams that are screaming out for him, neither of them are teams particularly known for following through on trades when it comes to actually giving something up. So, um, yeah, no, I uh, and particularly not when Port's involved. 
who, who, who remembers out there the Daniel Motlop trade and how fart arsy about that was when we overpaid <laughs> massively for him. Um, and Ben Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, oh, and Ben Jacobs when they took us to the draft. So if uh, anyone thinks that Port's going to be playing nicely, nicely with North Melbourne, I don't think that's going to happen. And if Pollock thinks we're going to play nicely, nicely with North Melbourne, that's not going to happen. So he'd better be prepared to go in the draft if he's really serious about leaving. Yeah, well, pretty much, pretty much. Look, I I feel comfortable with letting him go and, uh, you know, send his uh, talents to uh, Arden Street or whatever. Um, that's, That's okay with me. Uh, will it be a loss? Yes, it will be a loss. I don't think it's going to be as big a loss as what people make it out to be. Um, I feel like this gives us an opportunity to really sort of rework our game style a little bit because at the moment it just feels like we're just looking towards Polek to do all the running. Um, and I feel like maybe letting him go might open that up quite a bit more and force us to change what we're actually doing, um, which is a good of- thing. It's kind of like the upfield version of the bad stuff we did with Peter Bergwijn late in his career in when he had him in defence yeah, and we it's just always similar. went to Peter and then we got exposed. Yeah. Uh, it is. It feels very, very similar to me as well. Um, and, and that wasn't a good thing in the end with oh, what happened with Peter Bergwijn. Awful. Um, you know, it was quite easy um, for teams to sort of uh, shut him down and therefore shut Port Adelaide down. And I feel like the same sort of thing is happening with Polek. You know, he's working his ass off out there, no doubt. Um, But we often give him the ball in just ridiculous situations in the wrong areas of the ground. And um, and look, he is a bit of a turnover merchant um, in the defensive 50 as well. And it has happened a lot of times this year. Yeah, um, he's doing a, he's, this year he's been, certainly more than in previous years, he's been doing a few of the cane corns floaters that uh, are very easy to pick off. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, I'm I would like to keep him, but I'm also will be happy to see him go. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about the next player, which is Scott Lysett. Um It looks likely that he, well, it looks like he will definitely leave West Coast at the end of the season, um, and it looks likely that he will come to Port Adelaide. Um, how do you feel about that, Portia? I feel it's probably in the same boat as bringing in Rockcliffe after you spent a draft drafting guys like Hatley. <laughs> Um, we just we just brought in Sam Hayes, so yeah, sure. Let's put a, a senior ruckman in front of him, so that in five years' time, when Lysett's gone, Hazel have already gone somewhere else. That's smart. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess the the good thing about Lysett is that he can do a bit of a roll up forward. Um, he's a, he's a bit Maka, of a dinosaur Maka, in terms Maka, of he's not the most agile sort of guy, but I but, can in sort of two or three years' time see both Lysett and Hayes coexisting in the side together. Well, you see, the problem is it'll have to be in more than three years' time because, you know, Ken does not believe in that. Like, he just 100% does not believe in that. And he's here for another mm. three years. So, no, you, you can't use that logic, I'm afraid, Macca. Do, it's going to fuck our side Are you sure up. he doesn't believe in that? Yeah, positive. Oh, sorry, he believes, sorry he believes in it for the first three rounds and then we go defensive. <laughs> that, that's, that's how much he believes in it. So, uh, yeah. as far as it well, being a permanent state, no. Look, to, uh, to defend Ken a little bit here, it's not like we've had the option to uh, to bring in sort of two talented ruckmen, is it? Um, and, and play them both in the same team. And we know that he desperately wanted to play Ryder and Lobie together until Lobie sort of um, became useless, for want of a better term. Um, and Frampton, you know, wasn't ready, and then suddenly he's ready, and then he's not ready again. But um, 
who knows? Look, I feel like we desperately need some support for Ryder. I think the end of Ryder has come on pretty quick uh, this yep. past year. Um, you know, once he's got this Achilles injury, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he's now going to be a sort of 12 to 13 game a year player for the rest of his uh, career. Um, And if all we've got behind him is uh, Frampton, who's played one ordinary game, and Sam Hayes, who's coming off an ACL, then it's going to be a bit of an issue. Look, I agree with you, but I think that the the, the trading price point for Lysett is exactly wrong for us, in that he's at his highest point of exposure in the AFL, which means that Mm. he'll come under the highest uh, trade value. Um, and we, we still think that there's some questions over him, and there's questions over his utility in the side and his age bracket in the side in terms of um, a replacement coming up. Um, mm. I think that you're still far better off going for a, a less exposed Ruckman that at least has the body and has done a little bit. Like people keep saying, Proust, yeah, sure, something like that, because that would cost a shitload less than Lysett will in trade. Um, yeah. Lot, probably less than the salary cap too. So I think that Lysett is mm. the wrong choice. Uh, I see that Dylan has made... I'm assuming it's a sarcastic comment because it's Dylan. Um, in uh, Spreaker <laughs> Chat, Lysett is the final piece of the puzzle. And how many of those have we had now? That's three seasons we had a piece, last piece in the puzzle, isn't it? We, with Ryder, then it was Dixon, then it was the trio. Uh, year yeah. or, in, with a year in between. Um, we can't afford to trade for more final pieces of the puzzle without completely fucking our future up. So, no, I'm still anti-Lysett for those, I think, pretty solid reasons. Must be a pretty big puzzle, I think, uh, that we're trying to solve here. <laughs> we don't have um, any of the corners. <laughs> yeah, yes. They've gone under the couch, under the rug, and we can't find them, unfortunately. But... Yep, yep. Yeah, look, I, I said earlier in the season that um, I, I, I really didn't want to have to pay Lysett what he's going to want to be paid hmm. in terms of salary cap space. Um, but I feel like we almost have no choice now. Um, well, we've got room right the salary cap. We can't afford to give up trade capital. That's my main yeah. concern. I don't care if we pay him $2 billion. I mean, obviously we can't, but, you know, the money is yeah. not a concern for us. The fact that we'd have to give up probably picks or players or more likely just really just picks. Well, um, I, don't, no. I don't think we will because he's a free agent. So we should hopefully be getting him as a free agent, especially if Roughhead looks like going to West Coast, which looks like if we he's can going get him to happen. For free, if we can get him for free, maybe. Mm. Yeah, look, if, if we have to trade for him, then no. I would say thanks, but no thanks, to no. be honest. And uh, try and work Prius in, uh, into the Pollock trade somehow uh, as, a, as a plan B. Uh, I guess the next player is Pittard, who I believe has been told that he's going to be on the trade block, which uh, I guess should have happened a couple of years ago, maybe. It but, should have, yes, we talked um, about that. Yeah. Uh, look, he's coming off a horror season after yep. having a less than impressive season last year as well. I'm looking forward to that fourth um, round pick. Yeah, look, that, that All-Australian squad of 40 is looking a long, long time ago oh, for yeah. Jasper, right about yeah. now. Yeah, no, there's nothing much else to say about Jasper, really, in terms of trade. We should have done it a couple of years ago and we're doing it now. Well, this is actually probably the worst possible time to do it because we've already got... <laughs> no, realistically, because we'll get nothing for him because Broadbent yeah. probably won't come back because Hartless coming back from injury and our mm. only other defenders are all under 180 centimetres um, as far as young ones coming through. So if we trade him out, we've got to replace him in this trade period anyway or this draft. Um, oh, I feel like Joel Garden's going to be a good replacement for him, and he's 187 next centimetres. year. And and you know, uh, and Bonner's looking a lot less shiny than he did in round one. That's for sure, as far as potential mm. replacements. 
Um, I, I, I think I put the, the kiss of death on Bono when, in his draft year when I described him as a better O'Shea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. I, that oh, was dear. A, that, yeah, I know, that was a pretty bad one, wasn't it? <laughs> um, but no, as far as trading Pito, this is the worst possible time because he is terrible consistently, but at least he's a body that can play on a half-back flank some of the time. I don't yeah. know. Look, I, I tend to agree. Look, it it is absolutely the worst possible time to trade Jasper yeah. Pitt because we're not going to get anywhere near sort of relevant value for him. Um, all we can hope for is that you know there's a, a team or two that do actually uh, rate him higher than what we certainly do on this podcast. Um, I guess that's our only hope. But I can sort of understand why we kept him when we did. Um, you know, coming off that All Australian squad of forty season, it looked like we were finally going to get some sort of return on investment from him, mm. and unfortunately, uh, that, that that's absolutely not been the case at all. No, no. yeah, no. And no. I guess the last the last player to talk about is um, this uh, annoying situation where Sydney are chasing Tom Jonas apparently very very hard. Oh yeah, why well, is he going to be a coach when he retires? Uh, quite possibly. That, Who knows? That seems the most likely thing for a Tom Jonas uh, recruitment, isn't it? Because I, I can't yeah. see him leaving Port. Uh, he's under contract, isn't he? He is for another 12 months. So, um, trade him? Oh, I don't know. I guess it's up to Tom Jonas if he wants to be traded or not, really. Um, but look, I, I would say that's a bit of a disaster, to be honest. Well, yeah. <laughs> I do think it's extremely unlikely. Um, we we don't want to be trading Polek and our best defender. Um, that would not be. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Maybe we can uh, sort of coax them into taking Jasper instead. He he would look good in a Swans Guernsey, to be well, honest. Well, if you recall, back in his the, tats would stand out a bit more. I think back in the dark old days when Buddha Hocking was uh, part of the team that got uh, Jasper Pittard over the line as being a port player. Uh, before the draft, everyone was talking about how coachable he is and you know how they think he's almost a coach. Oh, so yep. there you go. He's set up. He's good. Well, Big Horse would love him, really. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> He'd love him as a defensive coach, I think. Honestly, I defensive think Defensive almost... coordinator. That's what uh, Jasper Pittard would be. Honestly, I'm kind of scared that we'd trade Pittard to the Swans and suddenly he'd become excellent. <laughs> like, if there was any team that could do oh, that, it's look, the Swans, right? You know that would happen, yeah. <laughs> he would turn into... Uh, Reshore again, mm-hmm. and um, and just suddenly become all Australian caliber for the next four years or something stupid like that. Yeah. As we uh, as we enjoy pick fifty five running around in the reserves for two years and then being delisted. Um, yes, indeed. <laughs> so yeah, so there's quite a bit happening um, at the moment for Port in terms of uh, some trade goss. Yep, definitely. So we'll keep an eye out on that in the next few weeks as well. Uh, I guess the next thing to talk about is the delistings. We've had three of them. Uh, we say a, a very sad farewell to uh, Dimitri Tumpus, who played uh, a whopping 10 games for us over the last three years. None this year, That's two in 2017. And uh, he played eight games in his first year at the club in 2016. Um, are you sad to see him go, Portia? No, not really. I forgot he was on the list. <laughs> Look, he's been... He's been good backup. He's done all right at SANFL level, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Un- unfortunately for Jimmy, his body is nowhere near up to it 
for AFL football. That should have been a one-year contract. Cactus. I don't know how he got a three-year. I don't know how that happened. How did that happen? Yeah, well, Clown did that. Well, look, uh, in the era of um, giving everybody five or six-year deals, I think uh, I think it was nice that we didn't do that with Jimmy Tompas and we only gave him three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, like for how much we gave up for him, which was basically three-fifths of fuck all, I mean, that is it never... It was literally never, nothing. It was never, ever becomes three-year deal. How, yeah. <laughs> how, how could those two things ever possibly be linked? They're just completely insane. Um, yeah. And someone at Ford needs to be accountable for that. Yes. Yeah, probably. But uh, we know that won't happen. Uh, we say goodbye to Lindsay Thomas, who came over for the one season. He played seven games, kicked four goals. Um, had a couple of nice moments. Knocked out Scott Silwood. That was great. Yeah, that was great. Thank um, you. Thank you, Lindsay. Fort Legend played... Come back anytime. <laughs> Come back anytime, Lindsay. He played a good game against Carlton, I think it was, and, uh, and then struggled in his uh, final few games after that. But, um, look, I was glad that he came back for one year. And, yeah, uh, that was nice. And, and gave it a crack and, uh, and kicked some goals for us. Yeah, I mean, he, he gave it a good shot and, you know, he wasn't able to keep up throughout the length of the season. And, you know, that's all right. We yeah. gave up nothing for him and um, we got a few good things out of him. So that was that was really good to see. But, uh, yeah. you know, um, he's had the honour of being a Port Adelaide player at AFL level and, uh, you know, he had a good crack. So good on him. Yeah, good on him. And we say goodbye to Emmanuel Ira, who was uh, coming off the rookie list, yeah. um, who was uh, part of the Next Generation Academy selection. Um, didn't play a game, but um, did develop into a pretty handy SNFL footballer in his time at the club. I kind of feel like that was only ever the likelihood, though. Yeah, look, he's, look we, we took him as a mature age. You know, he's, he's a lot older than I think people think yeah, he is, because yeah, I think he's he 25. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we took him as a, as a sort of early 20s player who was still playing regular SNFL reserves football. And we've turned him into a pretty good um, SANFL defender. Um, whether that's his his ceiling, uh, qu- you know, obviously the club thinks it is. Otherwise, we'd be keeping him. It certainly is. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess I'm not too upset to see him go. We've got a lot of defenders on our list. Um, would have been nice to see him crack a game. He, he did have some pretty good form earlier this season, but uh, not to be. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you could almost say that last year's draft killed off his opportunities when we drafted, what, three or four uh, small defenders, yeah. you know? That was mm. that was enough. That was enough to say last year, okay, we're good. Thanks, mate. So, yep. mm, there you go. That's it. Now, the next thing I want to do is, uh, is a little game called Useful or Useless. Right. Um, which is... Uh, do we think these? This is I've I've gone through the list of delisted free agents that there are are at the moment. Sort of players that have been delisted this year. Um, are they? Could they be useful for Port Adelaide, or would they be useless for Port Adelaide? That's the game that we're playing here today. Mm. Um, and the first name, everyone knows him. He's thirty three years old. He's played three hundred and thirty four games. as Brendan Goddard. Is he useful or useless? No, we already shat on that last well, last time we were on, didn't we? <laughs> I think so. Um, but look, he's keen to go around again. I, I get the feeling he's not ready to retire yet. Um, someone's going to pick him up, I, I think, for a year or, or two years maybe. Um, could that be Port Adelaide if we say goodbye to Jasper Pitter? Uh, oh, shit. In that context, I really hope not. <laughs> 
And now you said that, I sort of think, oh, maybe. And I don't want him at Port. I don't want Brendan Goddard to have ever been a Port player. <laughs> well, I love Brendan Goddard. I, I think he's been a wonderful player and uh, uh, he's very good at the at the role that he does. Um, look, look, he still had a pretty decent season this year, to be honest. Um, he was still averaging sort of mid, mid-20s disposals a game um, and, and still has a part to play, I think. Is he useful or useless for Port? I'm going to say he's useless for Port. I'm probably going to say no to that. Um, and I hope the club does too, to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I can still kind of see it. Um, mm. you put that doubt in me, Macron. I don't like you for it. <laughs> That's it. Um, the next one is a 23-year-old. He's played 76 games across two different clubs. I'm talking about Billy Hartung. Oh, fuck off, Macca. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time the topic of Billy Hartung has come up on a podcast that I've been on since he was drafted, pretty much, I've said, Billy Hartung is shit. Do not ever talk about him coming to Port Adelaide. No. Uh, poor Billy. I don't he, know. He's Look, just a hack merchant. He's just an absolute he is. hack merchant. He's, he's, a, he's not he's a good He's just a slightly younger Henry Slattery from back in the day, you know? He's he just nothing. He's nothing. The the thing that concerns me is that if we do lose Pollitt, which looks like happening... Um, we don't have anyone to kick clangers for us. <laughs> well, that too. We need someone to turn it over in the defensive 50. And we also yeah, really. need a bit of pace, which Billy does. He's very, very quick. Oh, that's yeah, the one well, thing he's got fine. going for him. And that's why I put him in this list is that... So you know, well, <laughs> would the club consider it uh, like a an easy fix sort of option to replace Polek. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, if they do, well, I mean, we're already saying most of the club should be sacked, so if they do, then, yeah, continue on. Um, wow, looking at his stats, he's pretty bloody ordinary. Do you know what? This year he averaged three clangers a game, uh, mm. one clearance. Uh, Look, he tackles, is an outside player. couple of tackles. He is. Oh, he's an outside is, player. Okay, so that he is 100% his, an outside player. There is, there is no hardness about him at all. There is no hardness about him Yep, got it. Cool. Um, yeah, no. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, sorry. I've there's got to say, though, I've, I've, He gets two bounces a game, Macca. There's his good stat. You got it. Two bounces yeah, a nine game. nine bounces in a game this year. Nine. Wow. Nine. Can we move that's, on? Uh, this is just a waste of time. Look, I was actually surprised he got delisted. To be honest, I, I think it's just, well, I don't know. I, I just felt like his form at the start of the season was actually not too bad until he did his hamstring and didn't play again. I don't know. I, I think it shows confidence <laughs> that North Melbourne are, are going to land one of sort of Gaff or Pollock. And th- they know it's going to happen. And therefore, they've cleared the deck of, uh, of someone like Hartung. Uh-huh, sure. Okay. Plus, he's not very good. Um, but yes, he's for me, so is he useful or useless, Porsche? He's beyond useless. He's not worth <laughs> talking about. Continue on. Who's next? <laughs> Bring it on. The next player is also an ex-North Melbourne player. He's yeah. played two games. He's 20 years old. We spoke about him on the draft podcast a couple of years ago. And that's Josh Williams, who I'm a massive fan of. I remember you were a massive. He was an Allies player, wasn't he? He was, yes. Yeah. 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 He was a Gold Coast Academy player. Who um who North Melbourne bid on and, and got, um, now he is lightning quick. He is one of the quickest players I've seen play the game. His skills aren't too bad. 
they're, they're pretty good. Uh, again, he he would come across as maybe a wingman or a, or a you know maybe sort of start on a back flank and just run sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I feel like apparently he's got a little bit of a back issue. Um, oh, he didn't no. develop much. He didn't develop much this year from what they were hoping. He played two games in his first season in 2017. Didn't play a game this year. Um, and again, this feels like them sort of clearing the deck for, for a wingman that they're going to get in, in either Pollock or Gaff. Um, for me, this one's useful. I'm a big fan of Josh Williams, and I would love to see him at the club. I'm trying to find my assessment notes because I didn't get notice of this segment. Um, and I can't find it, so I can't comment. I'm not going to comment. Ask me next week. Okay. We can do that. Okay. I, I feel the reason why I like him is that he is lightning quick. He can kick goals. He's got a lot of X factor about him. Um, you know, we need pace in the side, and, and he brings that in spades. Um, I, I would absolutely love to see him come across because I think he would add something a little bit different to what we've got on our list at the moment. I think he's capable of playing pretty much straight away. Um, and, and he'd be a pretty hard sort of player to stop because he is very agile and, and does have that lightning quick speed. Look, I mean, um, back injury is the main concern there. Like when you've got a 20-year-old with a back injury, it's generally yeah. not a good thing at all. Yeah, oh, look, I don't think it's a, a bad back injury. It's not like a Johnny Butcher sort of back injury, I don't think. But, um, yeah, I just know that he hurt his back this year. That's all. Um Going on the sort of uh, pacey midfielder theme, and uh, this player's played two games. Uh, he's 23 years old. He's much spoken about, and that's Nathan Freeman from right. uh, St Kilda. Yes. Well, look, I mean, um, I would say that any player that St Kilda has drafted early has probably got a question mark over them anyway. Uh, and then mm. a player that St Kilda has drafted early and delisted quite early too, it's kind of like that's about as... There's a combination of two players as bad as bad as it gets because I mean Paddy McCartan's still. <laughs> well, can Collingwood, there. Collingwood were the team that drafted oh, him, Collingwood and then he okay, got traded. Good. Yeah, then he got traded to St Kilda. Oh, even better. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, so <laughs> that's much worse. It's even worse. It's even worse. Okay. Oh, there you go. He's traded the Saints in 2015 and delisted at the end of 2018. Cool. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, he, he's yes. had much spoken about injury issues. Um, he's finally played a full season of football this year, mm-hmm. um, mostly at uh, at VFL level. He did break through for for two games this year. He averaged sixteen touches a game, kicked a goal as well. Um, but again, if uh, you know, if we're looking for a Pollock replacement, um, could he be a player that the club might bring over, hoping? Um, in, in kind of another sort of Jimmy Tumperson, Jack Trengo type situation oh, that maybe we might be able to get his body right and um, and uh, and get him playing regular AFL football. Uh, look, I, don't, I just I just don't see it. Um, it's not enough to his. I mean, he's what, played what one game. He's been delisted by St Kilda, <clears throat> which is a team in chaos. Uh, mm. Even you know, if you just look at the basic stuff, like he's 183 centimeters. And we've got a bunch of guys in that category coming through right now. Mm. Um, as far as he feels any needs, no, there's no exposed form and any excitement is what, how many years ago now? 2013. Yeah, a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it's just, no, if it was there, St Kilda would have hung on because it's not as though they're, they're sport for choice of people to list at St Kilda. Um, yeah. 
so no, I don't think it's worth our time, um, particularly given that we haven't been able to bring back players from injury <laughs> that we've traded for in recent times. Yeah. Well, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this might be something that the club may look at. I feel like he's going to land on an AFL list somewhere. Someone's going to take a punt on him, um, especially now that he's played a full season of football without getting injured. Um, maybe a club might think that they can get him right and, and having some sort of role at AFL level. The thing that scares me is I, I feel like he's lost his top pace, which um, is, is burst sort of speed, which is what got him drafted so highly in the first place. Uh, and <laughs> okay. his skills aren't overly so, great. So in other words, he's got exactly the problems that we weren't able to solve with Trumpus. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And look, that's uh, that's why I added him to this list because <laughs> we've got four minute in Tumpus <laughs> and Trengo. So yeah. why not bring on uh, the triumvirate oh, of, uh, of injury riddled um, stars? You got anyone else? And, uh, yes, I do. I've got one more. I've okay. got one more. This guy played one game. Uh, he's twenty years old. He's a key defender. Um, again, we spoke about him at length on the podcast a few years ago. That's Kieran Collins from Western Bulldogs. That's a dim memory for me. <laughs> Look, he played one game last year. Um, he, he was drafted, I think, uh, it, it was supposed to, there was a lot of talk that he would go sort of late first round. He fell a little bit below that. I think he got drafted around about pick 28 or so. Um, he was a, a ready-to-go um, key defender. He was All-Australian. Uh, but he's been delisted after his first contract, um, which... Is a concern when it's the dogs delisting you and they've pretty much got no key defenders under the age of about 35. Um, so that is a bit of a concern. Yeah, well, I mean, looking back, because all I'm finding here is just old articles and, like, the Western Bulldogs were surprised as the key defender, Colin, slips to number 26. And it's like, well, when that happens and then the club delists them. <laughs> Um, mm. I don't know, like whatever the Cubs had heard about that made them wary of this All Australian uh, defender. Um, probably fair to say it happened. I don't know. Well, well, the issue was that I think many considered him a bit of a man child because he was absolutely built like a 26 year old yeah. AFL player when he was drafted. Yeah, um, and and clearly he just hasn't developed at all. He lacks a bit of speed. He lacks a bit of agility. Um, but we do need some key defensive options um, as we lack them at the moment. I think there's key defensive options available in the draft, and I'm happy to go with them. Yep, I think that's a good. I think that's a good choice as well. Mm. Um, so that was good. We've uh, I've picked one as useful, and you've picked none. So Correct. I'm glad we did that. <laughs> Yeah, well, Dylan actually made a speaker comment uh, a while ago saying that there's blanket useless next segment, please. <laughs> useless or even more useless. I think uh, that's what we'll we'll call yeah. it next week. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question time. Oh, okay. Question time from Big Let's have a look. Um, here's one from Christoph. Does your wallet go in your back or front pocket? It doesn't matter. Do whatever. Hmm. Front pocket for me. There you go. I I'm just not wonder, a back pocketer. I just wonder, like, sitting on a wallet, like, that just seems uncomfortable. Yeah, that's why I don't put it there. Yeah. Because um, I, I I've never done it, and I've never tried to do it. So why did that even just, become a thing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. My wallet's a bit too bulky to do that either. Like, I'd just end up with back pain, I think, if I 
my spine would end up out of whack, yeah. I think, if yeah. I tried to sit on my wallet. But, um, yeah, definitely front pocket for me. Yeah. I mean, it also seems like, you know, as far as pickpockets, it seems like it'd be easier to steal it from a back pocket as well. Well, yeah, I mean, unless you've got pants which have a button at the back sort of thing, so you can sort of button up your, your wallet sort of thing. Yeah, but that's, that's the only sort of thing. And then someone's got to un, unbutton your trouser pocket and get your wallet out. And I think you'd sort of notice that happening. Dylan's maybe. got a comment. I don't want to have my wallet bend to the curve of my ass cheek. <laughs> true. Very okay. true. Very true. That's conclusive then? No yeah. controversy? It has to be. It has yep. to be front. Okay. I, don't, I don't know anyone under, well, under the age of about 45 that puts their wallet in their back pocket. Yeah, it seems like one it's of those just one of those that things you, that sort of went out in the eighties. If you're if you're thing. writing a description of like a farmer, they might do it, you know, in, a, in yeah. like fiction or something. But apart from that, no, I don't think so. Mm. That's, like, Having so said that, I, that's I a Marlboro Rick Man type be, thing. Yeah, Rick would be a back pocketer, I reckon. Oh, you reckon? Yeah, he yeah, seems like enough. a back pocket type. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Andre has asked a few questions here. Right. Uh, when when the game is on the line, which of these players do you think? have any chance to either stem the flow or lift the team. And uh, by these players, I mean the leaders. Good question. It is a good question. (laughs) Hamish Hartlett's the best I can come up with right now. And I think that's because I'm seeing him through rose-tinted lenses after Mm. um, his short season in what seemed like it was going to be a fantastic season for him. I would say only Jonas. Yeah, to but be even honest. then, like I can't really remember Jonas doing it much. Uh, I, I think he's, yeah. Well, look, n- none of our leaders have really done it all that. I, I would say Jonas has probably done it more often than anyone else. I think all the others have done it, you know, here or there, but certainly not on a regular basis. No, no. And and, and pretty much everybody else in the leadership group has let us down in big moments. Oh yeah. Um, on a pretty regular basis. Um, so for me, it would pretty well only be Jonas. Yeah, and that'd be kind of a a, a tough one to call anyway. Really, mm. it, it's pretty sad because Boke was certainly one of those players. You know, a few years ago, you know, I still think back to his 2013, and look, he pretty much won us four or five games that year just by dragging us back into the contest. Um, you know, even the Chad Wingard showdown, like that moment, wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Travis Boke getting about eight clearances in the last quarter. Um, but unfortunately, since about two, 2016 or so, you know, he's not really been able to do that either. Well, I mean, I think that when you look at the leadership group as well, like just to recap for anyone listening that doesn't have it to hand, it's Wines, Dixon, Jonas, Spoke, Ebert, Hartlett and Rockliffe. There's not really any X-Factor players in that lot either. Um, no, when, when they're I all think, grinders. When I think about guys that can win us a game, I mean, the first two names to my are Wingard and Gray, right? Yeah, uh, they're the first, comfortably the first two. Um, we've seen Motlock do it. Um, we've seen Pollock do it. So it's it's that's an X factor thing as opposed to a leaders thing at Port Adelaide. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. Mm. Uh, next question: Should players in the leadership group uh, remain in the group if they'll be spending most of the year coming back from injury? Uh, probably not. Mm. Obviously, that's based around Hartlett. Uh, is he going to miss most of the year? I'll, I'll I don't know. He'd be I mean, he got back injured pretty, pretty early well. in the season. It was like round five or something, wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah. you would think he'd be playing pretty well almost straight away. 
Yeah, I'd reckon. Yeah. Oh, well, at least I hope so. But mm. and final question from Andre is: uh, If Ebert's name wasn't Ebert, would he be on the trade table? Ah, uh, yes. W- and would we put him up for trade? Uh, he should be. We yes. being us two. Um, I would put him up for trade right now. Yes, absolutely. Mm. I just don't. I don't just don't think he adds anything anymore. Um. Yeah. Look, the thing that he had. I guess we'll talk about him in depth in a little bit, but. You know, the main thing he had going for him was his gut running and his ability to just run his opponent off his legs. But, you know, I just, just can't recall many situations of that happening in the last two years, to be honest. Well, and it's not just that. Like, at one point, Brad Ebert, like, yeah, he'd have a few clangers here and there, but then sometimes he'd do an absolutely beautiful pinpoint pass, you know, 50 metres long to a forward or something like that, and that would sort of redeem him a little bit. But he doesn't have yeah. that at all now. And without that, he's just a, he's just a plotter. He's just a regular SNFL standard plotter. And uh, yeah, goodbye. Yeah. Uh, Grêmio Power has asked a, a few really nice questions. Um, okay. First one is: Are they leaders or coaches? Yes, men. Uh, look, I mean, we've sort of talked about this you know, a while ago now, but I think that um, that if leaders leaders are there to help implement the coach's plans on field, right? Like that's yeah. a major responsibility of being a leader. I mean, yes, there's all the other things like making sure the guys are okay, they don't go out too late and give them someone to talk mm-hmm. to if they've got professional trouble or a bit of, you know, player-to-player coaching, that sort of thing. That's all nice stuff. But ultimately, as far as winning games, they're there to enforce the coach's rules. So if they don't agree with the coach, um, they're not going to be effective leaders in the leadership group. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think... Yeah, you know, it's a bit different from sort of leaders in the business world, whereas I feel like leaders in sport, they kind of need to be the coaches, yes, men. They kind of go hand in hand. Um, I can't really think of a situation where players sort of revolting against um, a, a team's game plan or a coach's game plan has worked for oh, the positive. I can. I can. It was when the, the Crows did it uh, and uh, got the coach sacked and then the coach got rid of, um, who was it? McGinnis and McDermott. <laughs> First yeah, but that was did. a different coach. That yeah, different that's, coach, that's what but... I mean. That's what I mean. That's how it worked out well. Like the players revolted, the coach got oh, nicked play, off, and then players the players get coaches off. sacked all the time. <laughs> <laughs> players get coaches sacked all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I, I can't really think of a situation too, where it's actually nice worked out on field yeah. under the same coach. So well, no, I feel like, yes, if you're an on-field leader, you kind of. Yeah, well, well, it worked out for them, didn't it? Um, if you're an on-field leader, you kind of have to be a yes-man because your whole job is to, as you said, implement the game plan and um, and make sure that the game plan that they and the coaches decide on um, is is working out on the field. So it kind of comes hand in hand, I think. Hmm. Um, he's also asked, do they have the footy now to change the game on the fly when the strategy isn't working? I don't think that's part of their remit. We're not like a lot of other sports. We have runners on the ground. Um, yeah. So that's not up to them. Um, and the ones that don't have runners on the ground, like, you know, the NFL, for example, like they get instruction at every down pretty much, almost. Yeah. The quarterback's yeah. got some leeway, but no one else does. So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I feel like, um, as we've seen, I, I think the players get some room to move in, in that. Yeah, you know, I feel like, um, you know, it's been said before that, you know, Westhoff, can decide on the field himself if he feels he needs to go down back. If we're in a bit of trouble, then he does that. Um, and I feel like there's 
probably a few players that can sort of change things up on the fly if it feels like something's not really working. But you can't change an entire strategy on the fly because that's just not going to work. Uh, you can change sort of, you know, you can move a couple of players around here or there. Um, but the, the core strategy is always going to be around about the same. Yeah, but I mean, what you just said about Westhoff, does that partially explain why his form is so mercurial? In that when he's feeling confident, he will say, oh, I should go out forward. And when he's feeling like we might be under the pump a bit, he goes back automatically, even though we might desperately need someone up forward, and that's why we're under the pump. Like Maybe. Because, I mean, that feels like, like that. But it's that, obviously what you with said the coaches. There, what you said there, that it would explain a hell of a lot about Westhoff's up and down form for me. Well, probably, potentially. <laughs> um, but I feel like it, it's um, obviously with the coach's blessing. Um, yeah, I know, I know it's with the coach. I'm not, I'm not blaming him for it. I'm saying that the coaches probably should not do it. Um, it, that should be something, you know, as an occasional thing, not as a matter of uh, every day, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't agree with that at all because then you're entirely resting your game plan on a player's confidence and you're meant to be the fucking coach. You're, you're paid the yeah. big bucks to make the big decisions, not the player. Um, mm. And you've got every resource available to you. You've got a box full of people who do things. You've got runners, you've got microphones, you've got a stats, you've got a view of the ground. You got everything you could possibly need. Whereas Westhoff's just one guy, and he is a bit tall, so he does get a decent view of the ground. But he's just one guy, and he's as prone to confidence uh, as any other player, and particularly, probably more so. I'd probably rate him comfortably in the top half of our players that are confidence players. Um, yeah. So no, if that's what you just said is true, that is uh, very worrying. <laughs> um, mm. like, yeah. Yep, that's fair enough. Uh, Crafty Bernardo has asked, why has Pittard regressed so much? Uh, I don't think it's a sudden thing. I would say, I would say he hasn't regressed. He's just gone back to the norm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no. Look, I mean, his best form yeah. came when we were massively overloading the defence every week. So that's that's all that was. Um, yeah, really. Yeah. He, 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 we we knew he was at a peak uh, when we when he uh, made that squad. We knew he was at a peak, and that's. Like we're seeing now with Lysett and West Coast, you know, good clubs recognise when players are at a peak and that's when they say, oh, gee, I don't know, maybe maybe it's a good time to trade them rather than wait for them to go to shit again, um, which is exactly what happened with Pittard. So yep. um, it's just his mm. his game style, the risks he takes and I think just the lack of attention um, and quite possibly just not understanding the game plan. I don't know. All right, let's get into uh, our player review about the leaders. So the first player on the list is uh, Tom Jonas, who played 18 games this season. It was statistically his best season of football uh, with 16.7 touches, 7.8 marks and 8 1% as a game. Uh, He was named in the All-Australian squad of 40 for the second consecutive season. Uh, Just missed out, apparently. I I feel like he was the next in line, from what I've heard, Uh, which is is disappointing for him. But um, it was great to see him uh, get rewarded with with his second consecutive All-Australian squad of 40 spot. Uh, how did you see his season this year, Portia? Look, honestly, this is probably close to his best season, or at least until the side fell apart around him. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, until you know we had that sudden turnaround and became the losingest side just about, uh, he was doing pretty well. He was um, marshalling the troops. We noticed when he wasn't there. Um, yep. And then when he came back, we saw instant improvement pretty much. So, um, you know, for a defender, that says a lot. I think also the fact that he, I think his importance was highlighted when Hartlett got injured as well. Um, you know, if we'd been able to have both of them in our defence, like we could have been truly rock solid. Um, but the fact that, you know, our two most senior defenders 
we lost one of them for the whole season. Then any time Jonas went out after that, like that hurt us enormously. So I think that that probably shone a light on Jonas more than might have happened otherwise. Um, yeah. But regardless, he still performed pretty well. Um, he got a few scouts. He uh, laid a few nifty little bumps here and there. And uh, yeah, he managed to not get suspended, didn't he? I think he just got injured, not suspended. Am I right? That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah. That's a... yeah he, he he missed four games with uh, with some with a couple of different injuries throughout the season. He played some really good games. He was great in the showdown earlier in the season. Played really really well in the uh, in Gold Coast as well. Uh, sorry, in uh, in China against Gold Coast. Uh, was pretty handy. Um, sort of mid year, he was probably at his best uh, until his sort of injury sort of hit a little bit. Um, but outside of that, look, he was he was the standout of this group for me this year. Yeah, comfortably. Yes, I agree completely. Comfortably. Yeah. Uh, so assuming he doesn't go to Sydney, um, he will be in the leadership group again next year, you would feel? Yeah, well, particularly with how, you know Hartlett, even if he does play most games, I mean, there's still that injury cloud, and it's always Hartlett, so there's always an injury cloud. Um, so, yeah, I think that no doubt he's probably the only one I would be definite is going to stay in. Yeah. Should he be our next captain? Uh, well, I think we're getting near that point for Bokey, aren't we? Where we have to be looking forward. Mm. Um, if Boke's gone this year, then yes. If Boke's gone at the end of next year, then might be might be early wines if he manages to, you know, kick a few goals occasionally. Yeah. It could be. Um, look, I, I would be happy with Jonas as captain, to be honest. Yeah, be all right. I think um, he's probably, as I said, he's probably the best of the list at the moment. Well, um, it's not just that, but he's clearly got the coach's support because he was—he's been in the, he's probably been in the leadership group the longest as well, apart from Boke. Um, yeah, probably, quite possibly. So, in that respect, you know, it's a an easy flow of seniority, and obviously Ken loves him, so um, that's on his side. I, I think it's quite yeah. likely if if Boke decides it's time to step down as captain and concentrate on his own game, which I would recommend. He's certainly at that Dom Cassisi point in my view. Um, mm. Then I think that yeah, Jonas could certainly be captain in twenty nineteen. Yep. For sure. Uh, next player is Charlie Dixon, who played 20 games this year. He kicked 26 goals. It was his worst goal for game rate uh, since 2012. Yep. Um, he kicked multiple goals on only four occasions this year. And, uh, yeah, and averaged uh, 13 disposals and four marks a game. Took him until round 13 against the Western Bulldogs before he kicked more than one goal in a match. Yep. Um, and he did that against the Dogs, uh, St Kilda, uh, GWS and the Dogs again. Uh, so he liked playing the Dogs this year. He, he kicked eight goals against them and uh, and really struggled against everybody else. This was not a good year for Charlie Dixon. Well, I mean, it's comfortably his worst game at um, Port Adelaide, and you're probably going into his Gold Coast history to find one worse there, I'd say. So, uh, yeah. Um, that's not a good sign. No, no. Um, I feel like he was playing injured for a fair bit of the season. Um from how he was sort of, uh, yeah, it, it just seemed like he was struggling to move a fair bit. Earlier in the season when he when he looked a bit fitter, obviously he had to fill in in the ruck for, for some games or, or parts of some games. Um, and look, he battled on through, uh, but the, the output certainly wasn't there this year. Um, and look, it's not even the goals. Yeah, he kicked 26 goals, 24 uh, for the year, which isn't really good enough. And there were so many times where, and that's not even including the the shots that he shanked completely, which either went out on the full, didn't make the distance, or almost went at right angles on some occasions. Um, so he was completely unreliable in front of the sticks. 
Um, whether that's got to do with game style or you know the fact that he's running so far and is just you know fatigued by the time he has to have a shot on on goal, I'm not too sure. But um, what does next year hold in store for Charlie? Um, hopefully uh, a three pronged forward line. Mm. <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, hopefully a return to form. Hopefully. Uh, a forward coach that will structure a forward line that uh, takes advantage of him rather than relies entirely on him. Um, yeah. Because that's been, I mean, if you say there's one continuous thing for Charlie Dixon in his time at Ford, it's that we have 100% relied on him to be our key forward. Yeah. Um, and that's not healthy uh, to do that to any player. We were just saying, you know, oh, we felt like Pollock is getting a bit that way and, you know, and that's not ideal. Well, it's definitely happening with Dixon. Absolutely 100%. And because we haven't recruited under him. Um, and because we haven't drafted under him, like even if we start drafting now, that's still two or three years away from a solution, which means it's a post-Tinkley solution. Um, you know, we've got Marshall. That'll be great if he can come through. If he can come through and be that second forward, great. We have to hope he won't, I don't know, get some Bowen Lockwood curse or something awful like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we've got Watts, who who's so fine as a third forward. Um, more than that, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. the the Dixon and Watts partnership just didn't seem to gel at uh, at any real stage this year. Yeah, well, because Watts is the third forward. That you know that that mm. was the whole problem with his time at at Melbourne was that for the vast majority of it, before Hogan came into the side, like he was the guy. Um, yeah. And he, he he's not he's not built for that. He's not got the physical exceptionality to do it. He doesn't even have the strength to push guys off or the pace to outrun them. Um, mm. You know, he's more a smart uh, alternate option. And, you know, when one guy is, you know, Steamboat Charlie running up and down the field, and then there's Watts somewhere. Um, we saw how many times this year Watts was just completely surrounded and swamped by um, people to fight for the ball with, and that's not how you're playing. Yeah. Yeah, look, it wasn't a good season for Charlie. Um, yeah, he battled through. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think you can question his work rate. He He runs like a animal you know oh yeah um and that's part of the problem i feel as well is that you know he's expected to sort of i don't know whether it's it's his issue or whether it's coaching but he just always seems to be a bit too far up the field um and he's either getting it sort of across half back when he shouldn't be or he's having to you know bolt back down the field um to provide an option um you know he just needs to be a little bit closer to goal and uh, look, with the new forward coach, hopefully we can find a way to uh, to organise that so he's not uh, running around like a dingus so much. Um, the, next player on the list uh, I is... I just want to uh, say one more thing, if that's okay. Which yeah, is basically, yeah, absolutely. It's something I feel I'm going to be saying a lot, even just tonight. Uh, and that is that, I mean, Dixon is the classic example of we need to work smarter and not harder because he's working his ass off. Um, yeah. And yeah. We, just, we just need more guidance for sure. Yeah. Oh, he, I, he's definitely working hard. He's yep. arguably not working smart. Yep. Um, and as I said, whether that's him or whether that's the coaches or a it's combination, the coaches. It's the coaches. it uh, it certainly needs to uh, needs to be resolved it's for next season. The coaches, it's the coaches. <laughs> uh, next player is Ollie Wines. Um, I guess you could say the captain in waiting, uh, who played twenty two games this year, averaged twenty six disposals, five tackles. Almost six clearances and almost four inside fifties a game. He only kicked the four goals this season, which is uh, which is very very low for him. Um, 
Look, he's stagnated a bit this year. Yeah, if he's if he's the captain in waiting, he's he's probably more like the King Char- uh, the Prince Charles in waiting, uh, mm. and then it might just skip him skip him by because he's just missing that one thing, isn't he? Um, and that is really genuinely standing up, not not just taking the opportunity to try and stand up when the the got the game's on the line, but actually getting a result from it. Um, yeah. Because he puts himself in position, there's no doubt about it. He definitely has he definitely has chances, but he just hasn't been taking them this year, and that's been hugely disappointing to every Ollie Ollie fan out there. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, he had a ripper season in 2017. He he yeah. was uh, top ten in the Brownlow. He kicked 15 goals for the year. He averaged uh, quite a bit more than the bowl. He averaged 27.3 um, touches per game, more clearances last year, more inside fifties, more everything, pretty much. Uh, so he did stagnate as the season went on. I feel like he started pretty well. Uh, he was good through the middle, and then his form just completely dropped off through the final sort of third of the season. Um, whether he got fatigued, I'm not too sure. Whether it was, Again, it was um, the sort of game style that we were sort of playing. It sort of minimised his strengths a little bit. Um, but, but there was quite a noticeable drop-off in his form uh, from probably around about round 15-ish onwards. Uh, where he just wasn't getting as much of the ball, and he certainly wasn't having any sort of impact. Yep, I agree. Yes, he look. I mean, mm. uh, he's getting. If you look at his numbers, if you just look purely his numbers, he looks like he's doing all right. But I, I feel like his impact really went missing from the side this year um, in terms of what he could set up and what he could do. Um, yeah. Statistics, though. Oh, I still have him in my dream team. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, he he wins a lot of. Yeah, he's a he's a yeah. decent tackler and he, he gets a lot of the ball. So yeah. certainly from a dream team perspective, I think he's okay. But I, I feel like you know last year he was borderline elite. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he was right on the doorstep of becoming an elite midfielder of the competition, and he'd been knocking on that door a little bit over the years. But last year he he finally put it together. He was having an impact on the scoreboard. He was he was having an impact on games, um, and this year. A noticeable step backwards. He's back to being that sort of B-grade player that um, he's been for, for most of his career. Uh, do you feel like, I guess, A, he can get back to his form from last year, and B, can he go beyond that? Does he have that in him? Well, look, for me, I think the most disheartening thing about Wines' form this year has been that it's all been the intangibles, you know? Um, and when it comes to the intangibles, like the things that change that, Sometimes it's player confidence. Sometimes it's lack of confidence in coaches uh, or game plan or whatever else. Um, I'm sure that you know all the fans out there are saying you know, game plan, blah blah blah, which I agree. Um, but I would be very surprised, particularly now in this offseason, I'd be very surprised if there weren't players questioning it as well. Um, yeah. You know, like as much as we say that the leadership group, when the game is on, they absolutely have to toe the coach's line. This is when they get a say. You know. This is when yeah. they're doing their reviews. This is when they get to say, look, I don't think this is working. This put me under a lot of pressure in this situation. Da, da, da. I don't think this is working for X other player because they are leaders. They're supposed to talk about other players in their unit as well. Yeah. Um, so I reckon I reckon there's probably, hopefully, 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 if they're not all actually, if they're all hard workers but not actually yes men, hopefully they're giving the coaches a few hard truths as well. Mm. Uh, and I hope Ollie's having his say because I think that he's certainly positioned to. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, look, I think we all hope that he's got more in him, that he can become elite, but I don't know. It's now at the point where you have to question if it's going to happen or not. 
Yeah. Look, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy if he if he was just um. I mean, uh, this is oh, I guess arguably late, but like if he just had a Jordan Lewis type career, I'd be pretty stoked. Yeah. You know, like it, that's not the number one midfielder on your side, but someone who's really consistent and damaging on his day. Like if he had a Jordan Lewis career, I'd be bloody ecstatic, frankly. Yeah, um, that's fine. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, next player, let's have a look. Who okay. is it? It is Hokey Bokey. Uh, ah. Travis Boak, the captain, who played 22 games this year. Uh, his stat line pretty much mirrors almost identical to what he did last year. Yeah. There's not a lot of difference at all statistically. He averaged uh, 21.8 touches, 3.4 inside 50s, and 2.5 and clearances a game. Um, as we know, he played pretty much solely on a forward flank for most of the season. Uh, a few little stints in the midfield here and there. Um, how did you see the captain's performance in 2018? Because for me, I feel like he's been probably the most heavily criticised player on our list this year. Look, I mean, I think that when a team's in a bad shape, the captain's always in line to cop it. So I think that's mm. probably part of it. But, I mean, you'd have to say he's more a contributor now. Yeah. I think, you know, he's he's not he's not your first string midfield. Um, and that's okay. Like not no. every not every player he hasn't has been to for be. a while. Now. He hasn't been for a while mm. now, and it's just show, it's you know it's just showing, and we all know the cliff is near. Um, yeah. So uh, that that's I mean that's the only you say you got similar performance to last year. It's like oh I, I even feel like last year he had a bit more impact on actual games than he did this year. Mm. Um, he did a couple of good things a couple of times, but a lot of games he was kind of anonymous as well. Um, yeah. So I, I think he's very much on the decline, um, and I think that he'll be. In the same boat as Cassisi, I think he'll be a bit relieved when he gives up the captaincy and just gets to play football again. Yeah, I feel like that's a good, a good point. Look, he's not—he's certainly not part of the first string midfield and, and hasn't been that for three years now, probably. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, it's not 2013-14 anymore. He's not 25 years old. He is 30 now. Um, and absolutely, he's on the decline, as, uh, as most players do when they reach 30. Yep. Uh, especially someone like him, who is such a workhorse, um, and look, similar to Dixon, you cannot question Travis Boak's effort or work no, rate out no. on the field. He runs harder and longer than anybody else in our team yep. in a role that he's probably not overly suited to, but that I feel he performs exceptionally well. Um, yes, he makes mistakes. Yes, he stuffs up sometimes. Yes, he turns the ball over with stupid kicks when he shouldn't. Absolutely, he does that. But I still feel that the good outweighs the bad with Travis Boak. I, I feel like he gets unfairly criticised. Um, yeah. People are still expecting him to play like he did in 2013-14 when he was a top 10 midfielder in the competition. Well, he's not that anymore. He's not. He's not a midfielder anymore. He's a forward flanker. Look, and there's, there's not many forward flankers that do the job as good as what Travis Boak does. Honestly, I think that anyone in the same draft as Robbie Gray is going to come off rough in that comparison, and particularly playing in the same team. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you say, oh, you can't do it. You look at Robbie Gray and he's, he's still doing just ridiculous things. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, just as in terms of his body, like when we recruited Travis Boak, we did not expect to play him in the exact same role as we, as uh, uh, Joel Selwood played in. You know, it was thought he would yeah. be more outside, that he'd be more running. Um, but, you know, we turn him into an inside mid pretty quick and yeah. that wears you out. That wears your right yeah. down. Uh, and he's shown the effect of that. Look, he had four or five really, really good seasons as yeah. an inside midfielder, as a, as a clearance winning, you know, first grade, you know, yeah. rover. Um, and now he's not that anymore. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine. I feel like he's doing a, a good enough job. Um, 
sort of in in terms of the role that we are asking him to play, I feel like he is performing really, really well mm. um, with obviously the mistakes thrown in there. Yeah. Um, I feel like now is the time that he needs to not be the captain of Port Adelaide anymore because I feel like his leadership really let us down this year. I agree. I'm sorry. I'm just giving Dylan shit on Spreaker. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all right. I feel like his leadership let us down this year. Look, I know there's there's a few people on the forum that, that bring this up. I think Oz1870 is one of them, and that's and certainly Boyd Mann as well. Um, not that I really want to listen to him, but um, he, he often brings up like in the crunch moments when we when we lose close games, where is Travis Boat? And I feel like that's a fair point. And whether again that is coaching or whether you know this is what we spoke about 20 minutes ago, does he need to involve himself more in those situations? Because um, for the last two years, when the the games have been on the line and we need our captain to win us those games. It hasn't really happened. Yes, absolutely. Agree. Mm. I mean, that's undeniable. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would I would be absolutely stoked if he relinquished the captaincy so he can just concentrate on It'd football. It would be so good for him. Yeah. And I feel like he's the type of player that would have that sort of, you know. Renaissance. Yeah. That, you know, one or two years of a, of a, a bit of a better performance than what he's done in the last couple. I mean, can you uh, imagine, get a little bit back to his sort of uh, how happy football? he'd be just to be able to play like even even like a, a forward, half forward flank and and just be a guy that gets the ball and just pings it to a forward in the fifty. Like he'd love to be that guy. Yeah, it'd be like being eighteen again for him because that's the last time he played that role. <laughs> yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. We've got uh, three players left. Uh, the next one is Brad Ebert, who um, played twenty two games. He averaged twenty touches, six tackles, three inside fifties, two and a half clearances a game. Um, you know, stat line, which is uh, which is okay. Uh, but after having a, a career best year last year, he took massive steps backwards this year. Yeah, he's still list-worthy right now. The list-worthy? Just wow. About. He's pretty close to it. Yeah. Or permanent mm. SNFL, one or the other. Yeah. Look, he had a, he had a monster year last year. He... Um, you know, people were talking about him in the All Australian team uh, for for large parts of last season. He had 15 Brownlow votes, which was you know top 25 or so. So he was certainly around the mark. He, he was really really good this year. I honestly can't think of anything that he did this year. I don't think there's a single quality thing I remember him doing all game all year. And yeah. for most players, there's at least one or two. <laughs> yeah. Look, he wasn't really playing much of a defensive role. He was doing a little bit later in the season. Um, he, he wasn't hitting the scoreboard much at all. Um, he wasn't winning clearances like he did last year. His clearances more than halved from last year. Yep. Um, so he wasn't playing well play. inside. He, he wasn't gut running. He wasn't playing as an out. I, I don't know what he was this year. I don't know what his role was in the team. Um, but he's a large reason why we went so far backwards this year, I feel, is that just whatever his role in the side was, it just did not work for him. It did not work for the team. And um, I feel like he's in the same boat as uh, as Travis spoke, and he just needs to get out of the leadership group and just sort of concentrate on football. Yeah, well, I mean, with Brad Ebert, 
like from the day he was drafted, there was always the um, talk about you know how he's a bit of a hacky kick. Like when he was at West Coast, he was definitely a hacky kick. You know, you sort of yeah. would let let loose and then you'd hope for the best. And then he reached a peak at Port Adelaide where he could occasionally you know hit targets really really well. But that's gone. Yeah. Like in this year, it's gone. And I have never ever seen a player that had to fight to get a skill like that lose it and then get it back again. I, I just don't see yeah. him coming back from that. Um, so that's why no. I'm very comfortable putting him in the SNFL order list category for sure, depending on yeah. contract status. Yeah, look, his spot in the side probably does need to come into question if he can't bring back his, his best form, yeah. um, which I feel like he might be up against. Um, look, he's still only 28. Um, he should have a lot more football left in him because he's very only, durable. That's not only for an inside midfielder, though. And and the issue is not even his durability; it's just his uh, his 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 quality. Well, he's not even all that much of an inside midfielder. No, he's not is now. He? No, he's not. He's doing, not. Even doing and that. he's only really he's only really had that for one or two seasons at Port Adelaide. Yeah, um, he's, he's predominantly been that sort of outside inside sort of player. He, he's a low skill utility right now, and yeah. that is pretty low on everyone's wish list. He's a Matty Prittis without the. Contested ball winning and clearance winning ability, yeah, yeah, which is probably yeah. not not a great comment to make about him at this point in time. But that's the reality. That's the reality of what Brad Ebert has become at this point in time, uh, which is very sad because I think we all love Brad Ebert. We all want him to be you know a wonderful footballer with the Ebert name and all that sort of stuff. But um, look, he took giant strides backwards this year, um, and hopefully he can go uh, come back next year somewhere close to his best because we need that for happen. We need that to happen, but um, yeah, it won't take much for someone like Power Pepper to, to overtake him. Uh, if oh, Rockcliffe no. comes back fitter and stronger next year, he will certainly overtake him. Yep. Suddenly, he's that sort of you know twenty twenty first twenty second player in the team. Yeah, so I mean that's why I kind of wonder what Brady but's contract status is because if he is out of contract, then he's definitely trade order list for me because I, yeah. I um I don't want to I, I can't see just I can't justify. It him being paid a proper AFL wage um, with what he's given us this year and what he's likely to give us in the future. Yeah. I don't think there's any chance in hell that he's going to be delisted. But um... Well, I mean, but when I say delist, I could also mean trade to Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put that on anyone, really. That's, that's a bit harsh. Yeah, that's where Matthew Lobies go to uh, pass away in their football well, career, really. Let me put it this way. He's not too far off that point. And Cam O'Shea's. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cam O'Shea, we didn't even trade, but yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, Hamish Hartlett is next. He only played the five games this year, obviously. Uh, very sad he uh, did Hamish. his ACL uh, early in the season. And uh, look, he was looking like he was having a really, really good season up to that point. Um, you know, he's really... I remember back sort of 18 months ago and we were all thinking, God, I can't think of anything worse than Hamish Hartlett playing on a back flank. Yeah. Uh but but last year he actually made it his own and was exceptionally good there, and we absolutely missed his halfback flank play this year. Absolutely, I mean, no this, doubt about it. This season is the first season I've ever been one hundred percent satisfied with Hamish Harlett. Um, mm. Like, and that's you know that's a hard that's a hard grade to get for me from any player. Um, yeah, but uh, he he was fantastic until he got injured. Um, we, we missed his strength. We missed his bowl use. We missed his ability to hit targets. Intercepting. Yep, absolutely. Yep. All he of that. A, he had everything all of, all of a sudden. It was going to be the centerpiece of our defence, um, and then he got injured, and that was that. Yep, yep. 
we missed him a lot this year, and that's uh, that's unfortunate. Hopefully, he comes back early next season and can play as much of a full season as possible, and hopefully, comes back somewhere near his best as well, and doesn't have yeah. a, a season where he's sort of treading water and not sort of putting in because he's a bit maybe a bit afraid of sort of doing his knee again or something like that. Hopefully, he comes back fitter, stronger, ready to rock. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Speaking of Rock, uh, last player tonight is Tom Rockliffe, who played 18 games in his first season at Port Adelaide. He averaged 20.5 touches, 2.7 inside 50s and four clearances a game. Um, His was really a season of two parts. Uh, There was the first sort of third of the season where he... Three, you reckon? Yeah, there was was, um, the first part of the season when he was, you know, he was not really anything at all. Then there was when yeah. he had his break and came back, and then he was really influential for a little bit. And then there was that last part of the season where he was just another guy. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Look, I thought you know, his first four games were – he just didn't get near the ball at all. No. <laughs> yeah. um, we shouldn't have been playing him. He clearly wasn't ready to go. Um, we sent him back to the SNFL to get some touch, and he came back a lot better. Um, obviously, his first game back, he, he played against the Crows. He picked up 31 touches, was – Absolutely wonderful that night. Look, he had some really, really good games throughout yeah. the season. Yeah. Even later in the season, I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was really good against West Coast. Um, but I feel like the role that we had him playing, again, he, we sort of just sort of squeezed him into the side as opposed to him being the sort of premier ball winner that he was at Brisbane. Um, he was just sort yeah. of, well, we just need to fit him somewhere. So let's just put him in a flank or a pocket or put him on a back flank for a little bit, as opposed to having him sort of run through the midfield. And look, that might be because he wasn't fit enough. He was certainly in- incredibly slow throughout the year. Um, I've never seen someone run so hard but move so little, um, as Tom Rockliffe did for, for a fair bit of this season. Yeah, um, well, that's the thing about Tom. Like, um, you know, him he's exactly the sort of player that can't afford to have an interrupted preseason next year yeah because you know what he brings to the game isn't you know sublime skill or x factor or anything else it's it's regular hard work and a bit of smart uh, football knowledge and yeah. what, what footy now isn't it yeah. um and uh if you know if he, if he can't be fit enough to exercise that then that hugely impacts his game and i feel like that's why i've categorized it in three parts because i feel in that last third there are moments when he was quite good but that consistency he had in that mid-season burst it was yeah. gone and it's because he was overtired in my mind he was just overtired and probably, and probably not being played to his best use. Um, yeah. You know, we were talking pre-season about, oh, it'd be great to be able to put him through midfield and then up forward, but instead he ended up just going in midfield and then on the bench, um, yeah. which I don't think helped him. Yeah, look, I feel like he had to do a lot of work to get sort of AFL fit again. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And, and worked really hard to do that. And w- when he was sort of at that, you know, close to his peak fitness mid-season there, he was really impacting a lot of games. Oh. And uh, and playing really well. And look, maybe you're right. Maybe he did just fatigue from all that work that he had to do. And look, that's on from a personal level with Tom Rockliffe. I think that's per- perfectly fine. Yeah. Because yeah. he did come, uh, far, he did arrive at the club well behind the eight ball. Yep. Um, and obviously he had to put in a lot of work to get match fit again. Um, so hopefully, you know, he's had his shoulder surgery now at the end of this season. Hopefully, he can have a full preseason and get back to being the Tom Rockliffe um, that we all knew and admired at Brisbane because um, we do need someone like that in the team that can, you know, on his day, he can pick up, you know, 
over a dozen clearances on a consistent basis. And that's exactly the sort of midfielder that we need at the moment because we, we don't really have anyone that can do that. Um, Ollie's probably the best that we've got at doing that, but even he doesn't get anywhere near that level of consistent clearance-winning output and uh, in and under work as what Tom Rockliffe does and his best. Yes, agree. Mm. So there we go. That's uh, that's it for this evening. Sorry for the uh, technical issues that we had throughout the podcast. Um, hopefully, we'll resolve them for next week. Yeah. Um, which is uh, which is the second part of our uh, end of season our reviews, which is titled "Last Chance Saloon," which should be fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll just tell the players as well, so that people know, because there might even yeah. be some more listings. Who knows? Um, Maybe. So Jim, Jimmy Tompas has already gone. He was in that last chance saloon group. I guess we'll talk about him very briefly. Uh, Lindsay yeah. Thomas was another, and he's obviously out of the saloon. He's uh, lying drunk in the street. He's gone. Same as uh, Jimmy yeah. Tompas. They're all in trouble. Um, <laughs> someone's going to get kicked by a horse next. Uh, we've got Matty Broadbent, which we don't know what's going on there. Don Barry, who's lucky to still be on the list right now, in my view. Uh, mm. Trent McKenzie, the same category as well. He's um, probably off on his way to the cells. Uh, and then we've got um, Jack Tringove as the last of that lot. Oh, Jack Tringove and Jack Watts. So, uh, yeah, last chance to learn. Some pretty interesting mm. uh, characters there. And uh, oh, we'll see how many of them are still standing next Monday. Absolutely. Ooh. We'll speak to you all then. Until Lovely. then, can the pair. Can, Ports. Ports. Lovely. Cool. Well, that worked better. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, obviously, there was a internet problem that fixed yeah. uh, in the second half, so that was good. Oh, what a pain, good. though, eh? <laughs> Bloody hell. Oh, that needs a bit of editing. <laughs> that's always just, fun. Just a tad, just a tad. Hmm. Was it that bad? Yeah, you like. Um, you sounded like you were speaking slow, like you were a drunk or in a black hole or something like that. You oh, know, okay. just for some reason, becoming really slow and then just breaking up completely. So, yeah. it got it, you know for the most of it, it was perfectly okay. It was just that period when I started asking you to repeat yourself every two seconds that it got a bit rough. But um, yeah, yeah. All right, that's all right. Okay, no Good stuff. Coolness. I'll speak to you later. All right. Ciao. Yeah. Bye bye. Not a long kick of the ball. Think about going short. He's got Lobie inside 50. Ignores that. Keeps it low. Wingard takes off. Hands it up to Boat. The captain sees Westhoff. He's in the square. He doesn't need him. Getting a little hot in here.